0: Welcome to our unnamed podcast um, we're gonna I'm Ruchi Kapoor I'm the first vice president of the Denver Bar Association um, and we're doing this special series to kind of chat with a few judges and a few special guests to talk a little bit about Women's History Month so hi Judge Fox um, hi so thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about Women's History Month with the Denver Bar my pleasure Um, So if you wanted to, if you want to start off by introducing yourself and just um, kind of telling us a little bit about which court you're on. Sure, Um, I'm Terry Fox and I sit on
1: the Colorado Court of Appeals. Um, uh, I've been there 10 years. I was appointed in the fall of 2010 and started at the very beginning of 2011.
0: So Judge Fox, tell me a little bit about um, your path to the bench. Where did you go, where were you before you decided to apply to be a judge? So, um, I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, but in thinking
1: about this, um, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think working for state Supreme Court is likely what planted a seed um, in my head that a legal career might be something I could aspire to later in my legal career. Um, The justice that I worked for gave me a great deal of responsibility, uh, much more than I ever expected that I would have. Um, Working for an appellate court also gave me great confidence that with sufficient work, I could unpack any legal problem. Um, So after that seed was planted um, throughout my legal career, I looked for opportunities to improve my writing. I was an associate at Holland and Cart. Research and writing, of course, was the bread and butter of my existence. But even later in my career, I actively sought out opportunities to appear before appellate tribunals um, at the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, where I was immediately uh, before coming to the bench, for example, um, I was a civil trial lawyer. And our office had a dedicated appellate section, and many um, trial lawyers gladly handed over their appeals to the appellate section. But I chose to keep the cases that I tried through the appellate process um, with more work, of course, but it also allowed me to become a more proficient appellate advocate. So that when I did apply to the Colorado Court of Appeals, um, I had a credible body of appellate work that I could highlight for the application, the interview. Um, But, you know, in addition to that, like substantively seeking out um, opportunities that would give me that appellate experience uh, throughout my legal career, I gravitated to... Um, opportunities that would allow me to promote women and minorities who were interested in the bench. For many years, I was chair of the Colorado Women's Bar Association, the Nominations and Endorsements Committee. I gave years of service to the Colorado Hispanic Bar Association's um, Judicial Committee. And in helping to advance um, diversity on the bench, um, I mean, it was something that I really believe, I still believe in. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, serving these associations, um, I ended up gaining gain some really important insights into Colorado's judicial selection process. I later applied for and was selected to serve on the uh, first judicial district nominating commission. In that capacity, I was able to review many judicial applications, interview many judicial candidates, and participate in the commission deliberating process. And in reviewing those applications, doing those interviews, um, I think I, I gained a sense of what a successful official applicant um, looks like, um, certainly one that makes it out of commission and goes on to um, interview with the governor's team. And I really credit all of those experiences, um, starting from, you know, right out of, Law school clerking for uh, a state supreme court, with making me a viable candidate when I finally dared to uh, to apply. And and I just just as a side note, I know that Justice Marcus served on the um, second judicial district nominating commission uh, before she applied successfully to our state supreme court. So I mean, I think some of those um, are things that I didn't set set out to do them, but they ended up giving me just enormous um, useful information that I used when I went through
0: the process myself were you interested in becoming a judge when you were a law clerk like did you go into did you apply for clerkships you know thinking eventually you wanted to be on the bench or
1: no no in fact I didn't even I didn't even set out to go, go be a law clerk um I was on my um law school's law review and I was an editor's um what is, it, what is it called, a note and comment editor. And um, in interacting with um, other students on the law review, they were all applying for judicial clerkships. And that's when I first heard that there was such a thing. Um, I went into my clerkship, again, just hoping to, to use it as an apprenticeship to improve my research, my writing, and um, you know, just to give me a really good foundation to start a legal career. So I wasn't seeking to be a judge. It's just that once I saw what the judge did, I I knew that I was really, really interesting, and um, and that you know, with enough experience, with enough years of, uh, of practice, it was something I could be turned to.
0: So it was like that slow kind of buildup of confidence. It wasn't just like you. I know that some people their path to the bench. They I've I've heard that them tell me that they. They wanted to be a judge since they were a 1L and since they applied to law school that's always what they've wanted to do um, but I think it's really interesting that it was something that you kind of cultivated confidence around and you know it became more interesting to you. Well yeah um, I mean I couldn't have aspired to be a judge I didn't know
1: any lawyers I didn't know any judges. <laughs> um, in fact I decided to be a, a lawyer because I was working with um, lawyers as an engineer. Um, again it wasn't because I had experiences um with those professions in my my life my early life.
0: I think that's so interesting so you know like that's just not something that all of us carry in um to law school is you know that desire or that like clear idea of what we want to do as lawyers um and so can you tell me a little bit more about like you know you come from a background where you said that you didn't know any lawyers like you didn't meet any lawyers until you were um working um do you think that that was part of like your experience like how did that really influence um how does that continue to influence you on the on the bench and doing the job that you do every day
1: so i mean i always think of um the adage that um you know preparation coupled with opportunity sort of merged together and um when I was working as an engineer, I would have these conversations with our in-house counsel about um, what the technical, you know, what the legal requirements were that we had to build technical uh, solutions for. And that's what sort of opened my eyes that, oh, you know, what she does is really interesting. So I would ask the company lawyer for the regulations, for the laws, um, take them home, read them, and come back and ask her questions the next day. Um, I think if you're reasonably smart, you can read, you can write. Um, you know, it just, I think even then it gave me confidence that there's no reason I couldn't do her job if I get the right kind of training and education. Um, so I went to law school to be an environmental lawyer because that's what she was. She was the only lawyer I knew, and she was giving um, advice on environmental compliance. So I went to law school to do that. <laughs>
0: That's great, because um, I do think that like the people that we meet really shape um, who we become as lawyers. I, I went to law school to be a patent attorney, and I am so far from being a patent attorney at this point in my career, um, and it kind of cracks me up about who I was when I was coming into law school and who I am now, and I just wonder um, if you have the same kinds of reflections about where you were. Um, at certain points in your career, and if that really changes the perspective you bring to cases,
1: I mean, I I don't know. I, I think um, it's good for us to always have a curiosity and um, to challenge ourselves when we get too comfortable in one um, one you know some one little niche uh, to explore others. So, you know, I told you I went to law school to be an environmental lawyer, and I was really lucky in that I got to do that for, um, as my first job after my clerkship, I went to Holland Hard to be an environmental lawyer, Um, I did land contamination cases, and I I loved it, because that's what I went to law school to do, but, you know, five years into that job, um, I started thinking there's so many different areas of law, and they're all so (laughs) interesting, so why do I have to limit myself to environmental law? Um, so ultimately, I ended up leaving you know, the big firm life to go work for the government, first for the state attorney general's office, and later for the U.S. attorney's office, because I was seeking to broaden my experience base. As it turned out, broadening my experience base, um, I think it was instrumental in my ability to get on the appellate bench, because... We have to do anything that comes in the door. We're not specialists. Uh, you know, more than half of our cases are criminal; um, the other half are civil. And within each of those areas, we just cover a, a really broad um, range of substantive legal areas. So, as it turned out, you know, each of those experiences built on itself and allowed me to to be in the position I am now.
0: And you know, just just because we're we're talking about Women's History Month and we're recording this interview um, in celebration of women as part of the Bar Association. Um, Do you think that you had different experiences working in private practice um, versus working in government versus being on the bench? And how do you think being a woman really empowered you to bring those experiences um, into your career? if that question makes sense. <laughs> well, let me give you my,
1: my interpretation or my take on it. Um, so I, I, I was more aware of the fact that I was a woman, that I was Latina, that I was small. <laughs> I'm short and I'm small. Um, when I was in the private sector, um, and I think maybe it's because I was around a lot of male lawyers, um, especially in environmental the bar- bar law. There's very few women, as there are in patent law. Um, so I think I noticed my gender uh, much more there. Um, when I came to the pri- to the, the public sector, both at the AGs and at the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, I really felt like my gender was um, largely irrelevant. The government has more work um, than it has people to do that work. And so, I mean, I really felt like I could do anything, try any case. Um, I was first chair of all my cases. I had full responsibility for all those cases. And so I think I was just less aware of gender in the public sector where there's more work to go around than there are lawyers versus in the private sector where um you do have to find um you know partners that have excess work that will feed you that work um it was just a little more competitive in that sense
0: i think that's really interesting and like do you think that those experiences kind of shape um how you give work to like your law clerks or you know like what your day to day on the bench looks like
1: i think so i mean i started by saying that um you know, my justice gave me a lot more responsibility, more than I ever expected. And I try to do the same with my law clerks, even with my interns. I give them as much as they are um, willing to take. But if they want direction, even, you know, day-to-day direction, I am available to give that um, pre-COVID. <laughs> you know, um, in chambers, my door literally was always open and my law clerks can pop in and out throughout the day to um, to talk things through with me Uh, you know it's a little bit more clunky now in the virtual world um, because I think they they feel I don't know I guess more reluctant to just uh, pick up the phone or even send an email they they want to make sure that if they're coming to me with questions like it's an important question Um, whereas when we're in chambers it's so easy to just say hey do you have a minute and of course I always have a minute. Um, but I think because somebody had faith in me, I have faith in them. And, you know, obviously, you know, it's my name on it. Everything has to be checked and approved and edited multiple times, um, before it even goes to the rest of the division and out the door. But I do try, um, to give young lawyers as much experience and responsibility as, um, they want and as much as I feel they can handle.
0: I think that's a great philosophy on kind of mentorship. Um, and I know that you you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you've been on the bench for ten years now. Um, so in that ten years of being on the bench, are there are there any things that um, you know that that you've noticed change about um, the way that the court of appeals kind of approaches things, or you know that your experience? any other insights, I guess, like, cause sometimes I think we learn nuggets of wisdom as we kind of go along. Um, is there anything in your 10 years on the bench that you think you really wish you had known when you were a younger attorney? Well, I'm sure there's a million things <laughs> that I
1: wish I had known and different substantive areas that I wish I had been exposed to, but, um, absent that, um, you know, <sighs> I work with a great group of people. We all really want to do the right thing and write clearly and um, you know in an approachable way so that the public, not just the lawyers, but the litigants, understand why we're making the decisions that we are. Um, I think most of the changes I've seen is that you know certainly in the last um, five six years um, we've had some judges that have aged out that have reached age seventy two, and you know by by statute, they can't continue to serve. So I think we have um, a younger bench. We have more young judges that are coming to the bench. Um, We have some diversity on the bench, which I I welcome. I think the more um, people with different backgrounds that we have, um, I think that can make for just really good discussion and deliberation and in turn, uh, you know, possibly better opinions. Um, So those are some of the changes that I've seen
0: um what do you think would be your number one piece of advice um for a younger attorney who might kind of be on the cusp or might be interested about thinking about applying for the bench one day or um okay so um
1: I have lots of (laughs) I have lots of things to say on that great (laughs) First, I would say that, um, you know, rounding out your experience uh, based on the court that you are interested in is really important. If you want to be an appellate judge, uh, make sure that you're getting appellate experience. Make sure that you're finding ways to publish so that you can highlight your scholarship. If you want to be a trial judge, jump at any opportunity to get into the courtroom. Um, If you're a civil litigator, find ways to dip your toes into criminal cases um, I'm pretty sure that the Denver City Attorney still has this program, but um, they've got the Municipal Trial Advocacy Program. Um, I took a three month sabbatical from Holland and Hart in my third year at Holland and Hart. Um, and during those three months, I had more hearings and trials um, than I had in three years at Holland and Hart. And you know, not all firms are gonna be so generous as to um, let you go away for three months. But um, if your firm doesn't participate in that program, um, the Denver Metro volunteer lawyers, they always need pro bono lawyers for a variety of cases. And you can select cases that are outside of your area of expertise, again, to grow um, your experience base. Uh, I did some cases for the Colorado Women's Bar Association temporary restraining order program, they train you, they tell you how to handle these cases. So, you know, it's a no brainer. Um, I took several TRO cases, Um, one of them actually, I think a couple of them expanded into um, allocation of parental rights proceedings. And, um, again, although I never specialized in family law, I was able to utilize some of that experience when I um, submitted my judicial application to show, look at all these areas of law that I've touched upon. And just another example, I know uh, federal judge, Brooke Jackson, uh, who was my mentor in Holland Hart, who went to the state bench before he went to the federal bench, before he applied for his state um, district court position, he um, volunteered as a city prosecutor for his city, uh, again, to show that he could try a criminal case because all of his experience, 30 years of experience in civil litigation, and he needed to show that um, he could also handle criminal cases. So I say, expand the depth and the breadth of your experience. Um, know the court that you want to join. Um, commissioners expect you to reach out to the current judges, find out what their challenges, their successes, their needs are. And I would say, and you know, because I did it, I say it worked. Um, start your application early. Started well before you ever think you will be applying. Um, the application shows you what the commissioners are going to be looking for and if you see that you have gaps you can start filling those gaps in early in your career um i mean i started my application three three and a half years before i ever had the guts to turn it in <laughs> but you know i started it and then i would update it periodically so when there actually was a vacancy all i needed to do was just um polish it up complete it get my recommendations and, um, you know, it wasn't a mad rush to get that done because I have taken my time to, to think about it. And, you know, and, and you start really thinking about why do I want to be a judge? And that's going to be part of um, what you have to convey to the commission when you go in front of an interview. So if you have that time to, to let it mull in your head, um, I think you can come up with lots of really persuasive reasons why you
0: would be an excellent judicial officer.
1: So that's my bit of advice and then
0: some. <laughs> I think that's really great advice and um, you know, I love the the piece about rounding out your um experience especially because I think you know, the practice of law is not like the practice of medicine, right? Where, you know, if you're if you're really specialized in kidneys, you know, you stick to kidneys. I don't think that's quite as true for lawyers. Um So I really appreciate that advice. Is that something that you noticed too when you saw people on the Judicial Commission and the Nominating Commission?
1: Yeah, I think people that proactively um, went out and did other things that were outside of like just their little, I think law firms really wanted to specialize because that's how, um, I don't know, maybe that's how they make money is by having you be like this uber specialist in one little area of law. But people that want to be on the bench, whether it's um, the trial court or the appellate court, you need to have some broad and, you know, breadth and depth of experiences.
0: Well, Judge Fox, that brings us kind of to the end of what I wanted to talk with you about today. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to pass on or, um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, I've learned a lot about if I ever want to apply to be on the Court of Appeals, Um, so thank you. Oh,
1: my pleasure. You know, just one last piece of um, sort of suggestion or advice is tell people that you're interested in the bench because they will find ways to help you. They'll connect you with other people that are on the bench that um, that you're interested in. Um, so use all the resources that are available to you, and just keeping it to yourself maybe um, maybe it protects you from uh, you know going for it. But if you tell people, they're going to encourage you, and they're going to support you, and they're going to help you find opportunities to, um, highlight your skills so that when you come in front of a commission, um, you're going to be
0: all that more prepared. Well, that's, I think that's a wonderful place to end. Thank you so much again for taking the time today to chat. My
1: pleasure. Anytime.
0: who welcome to,